I think even sometimes as Christians, we're not quite sure of what really is the truth because the reality is that we even see some ministers across this nation saying, let's vote yes for same-sex marriage. And that can create some element of confusion amongst people who are believers in Jesus saying, well, is that right? Is that what we should do? Um, uh, you know, and, and, and I suppose uh, in speaking this morning, uh, I've seen that those who are voting yes um, have certainly said some things about those who are voting no, and, and we've come across new terminology that they've brought into our communities and societies, things like gender fluid. I never heard of that before the last couple of years, have you? You know, that people can be gender fluid, um, swap between male and female, uh, swap between partners. Um, and then there's another word, hate speech. I've never heard that in the last, that's a new word, isn't it? Hate speech. And some, those voting yes have said the no, people saying no have just indulged in hate speech. Um, and I must admit that those saying no probably have sometimes indulged in some inappropriate comments about people who are of the gay community. So both sides have probably said the wrong thing at times. Both sides have probably declared things that are just not correct and not appropriate and not right. Um, I must admit about hate speech, if I tell my daughters not to ride on the road because I don't want them to run over, is that hate speech? In actual fact, if I do it in a loving way, it's actually love speech. I don't want to scrape you off the road. I actually want you to live and be blessed. So if I tell someone who's actually involved in a gay relationship that, hey, it's not good because it's going to hurt you. Is that hate speech? See, that's where the confusion, that's where it can come in. And, and, and questions we ask and wonder, wow, and how do we, you know, how do we deal with all this? And now, as a nation, looks like we're going to move on forward into this whole thing in Australia of having same-sex marriage legalized. Uh, so this morning, I, I just wanted to uh, I know that I can't take the emotion out of it because it's an emotional subject and people have, pa have passions about it. I understand that. But as much as possible today, I just wanted to, to lay some foundational truths that are not just my thoughts or not just my truths, but it really is the truth that, that binds the moral fiber of humanity together and creates great blessing. So I, I just wanted to expound that and share that. Is that cool this morning? I want to actually give you some answers of how you could address and love people or maybe in our, our gay community and help people and support people, uh, while at the same time standing for truth and standing up for righteousness and, you know, whatever they may call what we say, because this morning I gather what I preach will be classed by some as hate speech, but it's not that. In my heart, it's love speech saying, come on, because you know God says in his word, choose this day who you will serve. And then he says, you know, there's, he says you can choose blessing or you can choose cursing. I want to choose blessing, and I want humanity to choose blessing as well. In actual fact, God said when he created humanity, he said, you know what, after he created the sky and the stars and the, all the animals, and, and, and then he created the man and woman, and you know what he said? It is good. God's got a good purpose in actual fact, in, in, um, there's a verse of the Bible. It says in Philippians 2.13, when Paul spoke to the Philippian church, he says, 
Uh, God is working in you. He wants your plans and your acts to be in keeping with his good purpose. Do you know God's got an incredibly good purpose? And he's saying, would you come on board and get involved in these good things and your purpose and what you do and what you're involved in? Because I actually want to bless humanity. I don't want to see humanity destroyed. He didn't create us to see us wiped out. And there's a whole different message there about free choice and decisions we make. But we, this morning, let's keep to the topic. So this morning, I want to attempt to speak what would be, hopefully, encouragement and support and truth. So I want, us just to, I want us to turn to a passage in Genesis 2. It's a great place to start. Genesis 2, verse 18. I want to read through to verse uh, 25. And this is what it says. And the Lord said, if you've got your own Bibles there, please look or your own. Uh, device. And the Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called them, each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Isn't that good news? That's right there we should be thankful, because I'm glad my wife does not look like an animal of any kind. I'm glad she's a woman. Amen? God said there's nothing comparable. We're not going to, Adam doesn't have to connect with a giraffe or a, what, you know, hippopotamus or a, you know, whatever it is. And then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he, and God took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. So just take note of that. God took Eve, the woman, out of the flesh of Adam. And then verse 22, the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her to the man. That's a great thought. He brought her to the man. Guys, if you're looking for a lady, just connect with God because he'll eventually bring one along. There we go. Don't go looking anywhere else but where God wants you to look. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bones and this is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his what? Wife. And they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked and the man and his wife and were, they were not ashamed. Great. Uh, there is so much in that simple passage. I just want to share three simple truths that I believe are foundational for us to live life and to see blessing and to move into our future and to be incredible witnesses for Christ in our communities and love God. And the first thing is this, is the simple truth is that God's moral principle, God's moral, moral fiber and moral laws can never be moved without serious consequences. You can't take what God declares as the very structure of what will create blessing and goodness for humanity and move that and say, no, we're just going to shift it to the left or to the right. We're just going to move it. We're just going to change it a bit um, without there being a serious consequence. I'll explain what I mean. Um, in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28, <laughs> you can write that one down. It's not up on the screen. It, I'll read it to you. It just says this. Um, Do not remove the ancient landmarks which your fathers have set. Now, that verse is referring to a couple things, but one of the things it refers to is in ancient Israel... Landowners knew that their boundaries of their land, where those boundaries were, because they set up a series of stones or landmarks around their boundaries. Unfortunately, um, 
humanity wasn't as, as uh, uh, you know, honest as it could be. And at nighttime, certain boundary, certain farm owners or landowners would move the stones so that their land was bigger and the, uh, the land of the other person um, who bought their property was smaller. And that's dishonest. Would you agree? So Proverbs is referring to that and saying, don't move the landmarks. Don't get involved in dishonest gain. That's wrong. That's incorrect. And that's improper. You're ripping your fellow Israelite off. You're doing the wrong thing. Because in that, it'll create derision and, div and divisiveness and disunity. And it won't be good for the community if everybody starts. To imagine everybody's out at night moving the landmarks. So they all get, you know, it's ridiculous. What we now see is also the principle behind this verse is also the reality that we need to be careful that with spiritual landmarks uh, would not be moved as well in life. That those things which have been provided to the believers of Christ actually been set in concrete for the world to be able to know blessing and goodness in their life should not be moved. There's certain things that should not be moved because they are things that are the, make up the moral fiber of our humanity and our togetherness and our commitment to this world. Actually, Jude said this. There's a little book just before Revelations in the New Testament, and it says, Jude said, I feel compelled to write and urge you um, to contend for the faith that was once and for all entrusted to God's holy people. What's Jude talking about? He's talking about all the principles of life that are just, are just absolute and foundational to us, us living a good life. So the fundamental doctrines of Christianity should never be tampered with because if you move them, you're going to face, there's going to be just something of destruction and serious consequences for that. This is where I find that we can get a little confused because what's the difference between man-made laws and God's law? God's moral principles and man-made man principles. If I was to think back, you know, when I was a, a, just a, a young boy, um, I used to drive um, from Brisbane to Gladstone with my parents, and I never used to wear a seatbelt. Does anybody remember those days? Do you know what? It was a law, but it was never, um, it was never enforced. I think I'm right in saying that. It was never enforced. And so I, quite freely, we used to drive around Gladstone in my, that, when I was young, really young, and there was no seatbelt, need to wear a seatbelt. Car, the car that my parents owned had seatbelts, but we didn't always wear them. Isn't it interesting today, now they're enforcing that law. You will be penalized if you do not wear your seatbelt. Is wearing a seatbelt a good law? Absolutely. Is it a man-made law? Absolutely. Did God think of it? Well, maybe. But, you know, man thought of it. And, 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 and man put it into place. Because for our... Why did they establish a law of seatbelts? For our own personal safety. It's a good thing to have. But you know what? Seatbelts are not um, the part of a moral fiber. The truth is, you could probably drive home today without a seatbelt on, and if the police didn't find you or see you, you'd probably get away with it. Is that true? Who's going to do that? No one. Great. <laughs> the thing, the difference between man-made human laws, which are good laws, and God's moral laws, which are God's moral laws, is you can't do that. You can't change God's moral laws without consequences. You say, but God, you know, the police won't see me if I, you know, involved in, you know, the police won't see you. But what happens, it starts, you break one of God's moral codes of conduct or, or say his principles. And it starts to not just, it starts to penetrate and hurt your soul. It starts to scar it. It starts to change the way you see life. And it starts to create um, dysfunction 
that we don't see at first. And one of God's, you know, there's many of God's principles that he's put into place for our blessing to live in those things and those blessings. We looked at one this morning, and the obvious is, is that it says, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's a principle of God's moral principle, the moral fiber that makes up our humanity. One man, one woman. Right there is hate speech. One man and one woman. Because the reality is, I've just discredited a whole bunch of people in our nation. But you know, I don't do it because I hate them. I do it because, actual fact, God loves them. And he wants to see life for them. And he wants to see a future for them. And he knows that his principles have been set in absolute terms so that they can enjoy life. But you know, we have an enemy of our soul. He's called the devil. And he goes about roaring all the time. And there's a lot of Australians listening to his roar right now. And it's sad, isn't it? Ultimately, humanity... uh, Sorry, going back to this other point. So don't get confused because the governments will change laws all the time. They'll change our speeding rules and laws. And that's fine. That's okay. But you can't, they're not the same as, well, let's just change God's moral laws. Let's just change them like we can. They're not the same. They're not the same. and never will be. We can't, uh, we can't go. And even though the government are now are going to legislate that same-sex marriage is legal, it will be a human law. It won't be God's laws. And a whole bunch of people will be vilified and they'll be happy about that. But the reality is, as time progresses, the heart of man, unfortunately, is going to be hurt. And there's no blessing in it because it creates dysfunction. It creates, um, it creates pain for people. And people say, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Mm, that's interesting. I, I would, I suppose, beg to differ. It doesn't, it'll create a pain with, with dysfunction within their own lives. Let's move on. Let's, help me to understand something. Unfortunately, humanity can never have peace until they abide by the moral code of God's practices. And no matter how much we change the human law, we'll always be bound by the moral principle of God's truth. That's why we have a Bible. Hallelujah. It's got the moral fiber of God's truth in it. That is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. (laughs) Because it's built into humanity when God created us from the beginning of time. And of course, what happens is we break the law and there will be consequences, I suppose... That's why Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 1.27 and said, You know, guys, leaving the natural use of the woman, you men, and burning for the lust for another man, and man with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. What penalty is that? Um, well, it took the toll on their bodies and their souls. As I said, disease, guilt, and personal dysfunction. That's the consequences, I suppose. And God's not doing that to us. God certainly established that principle, but we choose the consequences when we choose to break his moral code of conduct and his moral principles of law in what he's established. And God created those for our good pleasure. So there's my first simple thought this morning. You can't move those things which God has established for all eternity. And God's not an old fuddy-duddy, folks. Um, you can be totally relevant, totally modern in all that you do, but, you can, but you've got to stand on something that's foundational in truth. And that is the principle 
And there's, there's several of them. You know, another good one. The Ten Commandments are generally great principles to live by. You know, they shall not murder. Just imagine if we moved that law. And we said, the government said, well, let's move that. And let's just say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Let them have their way. I tell you, I've seen societies like that in other countries. And it's bedlam. What about, let's not commit adultery. Well, let's move that law and say, well, you know, adultery is fine. You know when some families actually do that? They call it husband swapping and wife swapping. But it creates such dysfunction. It creates such hurt and pain. Folks, this week I've ministered to people in such hurt because of, you know, sexual inappropriate activities. It's so much pain in it. Anyway, let's move on. The second thing I want to share this morning that comes from this verse that we're looking at in Genesis chapter 2 is this. A man with a man or a woman with a woman, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. Genesis 2.18, And the Lord said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Verse 18 says that. Helper means to be a person who is part opposite. Have you ever noticed, ladies, that the man you're married or the, the other, you know, the guys in your life, they're actually not exactly like you? That's for a reason. It's a good reason. Man is part opposite to woman as woman is part opposite to man. That's what the word means. The word helper, actually, if you look up in the, in the Greek, translated in English, and it means part opposite, part opposite. You know how they say opposites attract? It's true. And it's good because you know what? They fit. Let me explain it. Um, for a woman, a man to be married in, in marriage is a moral um, principle of this world, as we've said, and it establishes. And you know what? The wonderful thing is when God created everything in the world, he created the animals and the sky and the sun and the stars and the birds and the fish, he didn't think of, of man as an afterthought. He didn't kind of come, well, I've created everything on the earth, now what will we do? Oh, I know what, let's get some men and women on this earth. No, man and woman were the crown and glory of his creation. Man and woman with the crown in glory. When he brought them together, it was, it was like the crescendo of everything he'd created over those six days. Now we have men and women. And you know what he said? He said, man, this is good. This is good. So it wasn't an afterthought when God created uh, humanity. Two different genders who were made to be able to enjoy each other and enjoy each other's company and perpetuate humankind. Pro procreation, or by that wonderful word that starts with P, pro Anyway, don't worry about it. For a man and woman to be joined, listening, through sexual union within the commitment of marriage is for a woman returned back what she was created from. Can you see in Scripture, it says in verse 23 of that passage you read, Adam said, now this is bone of my bone and this is flesh of my flesh. What was he saying? Out of my, out of my insides, a bone has been taken, closed back up, the flesh was closed, the bone and a woman was created. She comes from my flesh. And then we see when a man leaves his father and mother and joined to his wife, they become what? One flesh again. A woman returns to what she was created for. Isn't that interesting? She came from the flesh, and when she comes back to a husband, when she comes to a man she marries, they become one flesh. It's a great fit. It's a great fit. Paul actually said to the Christians at, uh, at uh, Ephesus, he says, You husbands, no one hates his own flesh. But he looks after and treats it well. Paul was talking about the women in our lives. No one hates their own flesh, 
because she's your own flesh. Paul, we, we, you know, the truth is we can't take a man and unite him back to the flesh of another man because, because a man was never made from the flesh of another man, only a woman was. And a man and a man and a woman and a woman doesn't fit as one flesh. Um, I do not need to tell you about the physical attributes of a man and woman for you to understand a sexual unit. It doesn't work. As much as men and men think they can do it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't fit. You, can, you know what? I can be in union with another man, but I can't be... Sorry, <clears throat> let's reverse that. I can be in unity with another man, but I can't be in union with him. Unity is called mateship, friendship. I've got that with a bunch of guys. But to be in union with them physically can't happen. As much as two homosexuals think they can be, it can't happen. They haven't got... You know, it's interesting because the Bible uses a word for flesh. And it's... Let me just share it with you. Uh, where is it? <clears throat> it's P-U-D-A-N-D-A. You look it up. The word flesh. And you know what? If you look at that word in the dictionary, English dictionary, it means the gentle or the gentile organs of a male and female person. So when um, the scripture says one flesh, they're talking about sexual union. It's a great fit. It's like two pieces of, of a jigsaw, the female part and the male part. It's a great fit. It's a great fit in all areas and all realms of, of our lives. Uh, folks, I can't fit with a man. I can be a mate to a man. I can't fit with a man in sexual union. Amen? You've got to understand, it's a moral principle. It's a physiological principle that can just never be reversed. I know some try to do that and reverse their gender and become uh, a woman from a man. I mean, okay. Uh, that's not what we're talking about this morning, but... You know, also, it's not physical fitness, being fit, but it's emotional fit. You know, emotionally... Um, I fit with my wife uh, so well because it's legendary that women had this um, understanding that men don't have sometimes. And all the women said? Didn't have to be so excited about that. <laughs> Just calm down a bit, okay? Um, but the reality is women think differently to men and sometimes you argue over that husbands and wives stop arguing about it and realizing that they got emotions that we don't have we we look at all the facts they look at the emotions and together when we bring them together in in the realm of good communication it fits well women's personalities are different to men's personalities they think differently it fits well the devil tries to screw that up and say we're all so different we can't live with each other no it shouldn't be that way we should understand and support one another because women and men fit together emotionally. In actual fact, the women bring the men back down to look at their emotional realm because men need to look at that sometimes and not just box it away and don't want to get emotional. And women sometimes need to, you know, sometimes see the reality of the facts and help, help the man for them not to be so emotional because in the end it's really not as big as they think it is. And all the men said, you're not... <laughs> Paul said, Paul said to the Ephesians in chapter 5, he said, you know, husbands love your wives. You know what that means. Love is to care for them socially and morally and emotionally, care for them. In verse 29 of Ephesians 5, husbands are to cherish their relationship with their wife, it says. You know what cherish means? It literally means like a chicken broods over her chicks 
And when they're really small, she'll, after they've been born and hatched, she'll put them all under her and keep them warm and protect them and, and, and look after them. And, and that's the picture of the husband and how he should cherish and honor and respect the woman and, and release her to be all that she is and, and vice versa for the woman, for the man, to care and emotionally and socially um, uh, you know, connect with our wives and our husbands. And it's a beautiful picture of how we fit, how we fit. You know what? Malcolm and I have a good friendship, but I'm not going to... And, and, you know, sometimes we have a bit of a blubber together. That's fine. But, you know, the reality is I'm not going to ever fit. Sandy's going to do a much better job than I can with Malcolm. I don't know how far you want to take it. Okay. So number one, we can't move the moral, move the, the ancient stones that God has set up that are moral fiber of our society. Number two, we fit as, as men and women together, male and female. Number three is this. Simple truth, band-aids are not for festering boils. Would you agree? Band-aids are not for festering boils. I drove with a taxi driver uh, three months ago. I was in Brisbane at a pastor's meeting. I had to go. I also took the opportunity to go hospital and see my good mate Trevor Coral when he was in hospital down there and um, I was with the taxi driver and so we started the conversation about the same-sex marriage this is well before the vote has taken place and uh, he was pretty Australian he was actually he was pretty foul-mouthed to be honest but anyway um, he just said this was his let them do what they want I'm not homosexual but I'll just let them do what they want to do I'm going to vote yes why because we deal with it let them do what they want to do it'll be dealt with and we'll forget about it and we'll get on with life I thought, mate, you're not only Australian ochre, you're just ignorant. Because that's not, what's go- that's not going to happen that way if the yes vote gets up. Um, and I get the sense, as we've moved on in this debate, that there's a, a good number of Australians, I don't know the percentage, I'm not about to give you this number, good number of Australians who just voted yes because let's just give them what they want, do what they want, let's just move on in life. I think even some politicians have probably voted that way. I'm not, uh, I can't know for sure, but I'm just saying. Surrendering people this morning to a destructive law of sexual immorality will calm the passions of people for a while, but it will never satisfy them. It places a band-aid over the festering boil, and it may hide the problem for a while, but it will erupt something in the, it will erupt sometime in the future. In actual fact, I don't think we have to wait too far for the future to hit us. I'll share why I believe that, unfortunately. Human nature, once started on the road of lawlessness, will always demand that we take it to the next level. Um, It's called the principle of diminishing returns while fueling the passion for more. You know what it's like, involved in something that that fulfills your, um, your, your physical need met, and you can't get enough of it, so you'll want more. Unless you come to an understanding that this is destroying my life, you'll continue to press forward for more. But while it's, you're getting more of it, your actual life is diminishing and being destroyed bit by bit. That's the devil's plan. To make you feel like you're being fulfilled, but actually destroying the very foundations what you're standing on underneath your life. There's a fable, and I say it's a fable because um, I, I've... I, Mr. Google, I've Googled it and Googled it and Googled it, but there's a fable, I think, and I don't know if anybody's ever actually um, performed this, this, but 
Eskimos have said, there's a fable that say Eskimos uh, take a very sharp large knife and they'll put fat on the, edge, on the, the blade of the knife and freeze it to the knife. They, they want to, um, it's called a wolf trap, just a knife. And they put it out in the, in the snow, push it into the snow, and a wolf comes along and starts to lick the fat. Of course, the, lick warm, the fat warms up and they, they love the taste of it. Finally, they get to the point where they just, their tongue touches the sharp knife and it cuts their tongue and the blood starts to flow. And so what happens is they say, once again, it's a fable, possibly, um, is the more that he licks, the more blood he tastes, he over, which overcomes the, the feeling of uh, a tongue that's been cut. And he goes into a frenzy, and finally he licks and licks until he dies of loss of blood. And the Eskimo comes along, finds a dead wolf and the knife, skins the wolf, uses the skin of the wolf for his um, clothing, and everybody's happy. Now, I don't know if that's true, but the principle stills there. You know, the devil wants you to continue to lick and lick and lick. And, lick. and it mightn't just be today something in relation to same-sex marriage because the majority of us probably don't struggle in that area. But folks, we can struggle with other things that you do not need to continue to go down that road because it can be destructive in the end. And God would call you back. And God would say, come on, submit to God, resist the devil, and he's going to flee. God doesn't want you to continue to allow the last part of us to overtake. And you know, I understand we all live in that realm of this world that is pressing upon us more and wanting us, as Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, conforming to the patterns of this world. We don't need to conform. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so we don't need to be like that wolf that licks himself literally to death if that ever really did happen. But the principle and the thought, I think you can grasp this morning. Um. I want to tell you why putting a Band-Aid on a boil does not work. Because this morning I woke up and I went to my news feed on my, just my phone. And I read this article from the Sydney Morning Herald. And once again, I'm not here um, to create, um, you know, to try and put anybody down. But the reality is, is that people already are moving in on taking it to the next level. And it's just days after the vote of yes. Here we go. This morning's Sydney Mall Herald. People woke up to this and read it. Maybe we need not freedom of religion, but freedom from religion. Why not take religion out of marriage, where everyone has to marry before a civil servant by law? Then those wanting a Christian marriage can have a second service if they really want to, because now civil marriage reflects what a majority of Australians want to see as seen in the yes vote in these last days. Secondly, why does Parliament start with a prayer? Let's now take it out so that it mirrors what the community is saying about the same-sex marriage, what we want, where we want freedom from religion. Thirdly, why should Christians receive charitable tax-free status from the government because they're a charitable organisation? Because their money is being used to spread their Christian beliefs. Hello, exactly what we use our money for. <laughs> this person is saying, don't give them tax-free status. Why should we let them... Um, they're using it to spread Christ. Thirdly, uh, sorry, fourthly, why have we wasted $300 million on school chaplaincy programs when the community have voted to allow same-sex marriage when chaplaincy doesn't agree with same-sex marriage? They go on, the same-sex debate shows that most of Australians are not going to give in to the scare campaigns of the Christians, but have voted for social change. Folks, that's just a suggestion. 
Let's pray that that never happens. Jude says, let's contend for the faith. Do we have to get ugly about it? No, we don't. We don't have to get argumentative. We don't have to, you know, but we do need to rise up and we need to stand for truth. And you know what? At the moment, legislation says this pastor and this pastor and every other pastor has got a PMC, probation minister certificate or ordained minister certificate. In this nation, we're protected by law. We, we don't have to marry gay people. But you know what? There's a whole bunch of um, celebrants out there who have to, there's no protection for them who may be Christian because they're not protected. How long will it be before they push in? This, this article is saying, how long will it be basically before even ministers will have to bow to legislation and marry? Well, you know what? They can go and see us in jail, can't they? We'll have a, no, you're not happy about that? I don't mind. If they come to me and say, you've got to marry, I'll say, well, take me now. And I'm sure that this church will rise up bigger and stronger than it ever has because we want to proclaim Christ. <laughs> Folks, I just want to say that whether, if there's any persecution comes because of all this, um, you know what? They're not going to do themselves any favor because wherever persecution happens in this world, Christians get stronger and more people come to Christ than ever before. Is God stirring us? I think he is to stand up for righteousness. So Tuesday night, we're going to pray again. We're going to pray again. and we, it's just, Would you not pray with us for one hour, Jesus said? We're going to continue to pray and declare, um, you know, and we're going to continue to ask God. Uh, in probably our city, we're probably not, it's not as prevalent as the major cities of Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane and that, that we get bombarded with this stuff, but the reality is it's going to affect us down the road sometimes. So we need to, you know, stand in prayer. We need to stand up for righteousness. We need to speak in love. We need to speak with truth. Uh, we don't need to get argumentative, but we do need to get uh, militant about our faith and belief. Not militant in the wrong way. Militant in our faith and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and continue to spread the gospel. Amen? Amen. How about we stand together um, and we pray. I'm not, I'm not a prophet of um, doom. I never, I've always been a, a positive uh, person because I believe that there is only good days uh, uh, that stand before us for, for Lord Jesus Christ. I think there's great days ahead. I think the best is yet to come. The best is yet. So let's not be sad or disturbed by this, but let's realize there's opportunity in this and that Jesus Christ would be glorified and as Steve said this morning, that many people will come to Christ. And we'll see more men like that man in America. What a fantastic testimony. That wouldn't realize that you don't have to be cursed. You can be blessed as you walk in God's blessing. So let me just pray. Father, I thank you, Father, today for your incredible love for humanity. I know that you gave us free choice and many have chosen to turn away from you because of that free choice. And your love enables free choice. And so, but Father, today we choose you. Uh, we choose blessing. We don't want to choose cursing. So I ask and I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, those who are maybe facing choices they need to make today that would, that would help them to turn away from that which wants to destroy them, help them to turn that which wants to bring life to them today. Strengthen the Lord. We don't stand in judgment of one another today. We stand in support of one another because we know you're the answer, you're the way and the truth and the life. And this world isn't, but you are. So today we choose you and I pray you'll help people today to make choices for you. 
to give up those, those um, addictions, to give up those things that want to crowd in in their lives and hurt them and to take a hold of you. Father, we commit ourselves, we commit what is unfolding in our nation to you. We pray blessing upon our nation that people would turn to you and repent, Lord. It's a word that sometimes we can be scared to use, but we use it today because that's what our nation needs is repentance. And we repent, Father, for our nation and pray that you would help us to walk in your truth today. We're sorry that they voted against your moral laws, Lord. It, it hurts you. But God, today... We thank you that there is good can come out of this evil in the name of Jesus. And we commit ourselves to you right now. And everyone agreed, said, amen. amen. Have a wonderful day, folks. Encourage someone. And don't forget, uh, Gideon's, if you wanted to give towards that. There's a lovely, sumptuous morning tea. Brilliant.